This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. So why do seagulls live near the sea? Because if they live near the bay, they'd be bagels. Welcome to Wings and Things, where you'll find real answers to real questions about everything you want to know about pet birds. Care, feeding, bird products, travel, and more. Everything to make your frequent flyer a happy camper. From parrots to parakeets, cockatiels to cockatoos, you'll have a bird's eye view of everything there is to know about your fun, feathered friends. So, spread your wings and get ready to fly on Wings and Things. Welcome to Wings and Things on Pet Life Radio. We're your hosts, Robin Chawokas from the Leather Elves. And Barbara Heidenreich from Good Bird Inc. Today's topic is parrot feather destructive behavior, possible causes and cures. We'll be right back after these messages. Sitting on a branch overlooking the parking lot, the pigeons watched as a Mercedes pulled in below them. What do you think, one bird said to the other? Should we put a deposit on that car? Stay perched. Wings and Things will be soaring back right after these messages. What if you could protect the life of your cat with something so simple and affordable that you already use every day? Get ready for the evolution of kitty litter. It's Pretty Litter. Along with all the features you've come to expect from your kitty litter, Pretty Litter's patented and scientific formula will also monitor your cat's health and detect illnesses early while providing industry-leading odor control. Two kitty litters, same cat, same price. But there's one important difference. Pretty Litter reacts to your cat's waste by detecting health issues simply by changing color. And the key is that Pretty Litter detects these issues before your cat shows symptoms of physical illness or pain, likely saving you major dollars in vet bills while protecting the health of your cat. What do you think, little guy? Ready to switch litter? Pretty Litter. Colorful insight into your cat's health. Go to prettylittercats.com forward slash cat 101 or use coupon code cat 101 to get 20% off your first subscription order. Let's talk pets on petliferadio.com. A Frenchman walks into a bar with a parrot on his shoulder. The bartender asks, where did you get that thing? The parrot replies, in France. There are millions of them. Don't have a canary. Wings and Things is back. Welcome back to Wings and Things on Pet Life Radio. Our topic this week is feather destructive behavior, and boy, that is a difficult and widespread problem. It really is, and it can be very scary for people who have birds who display this behavior, and hopefully we can come up with some explanations and suggestions for what you can do if your bird is destructive in that way. Yeah, and I always tell people that if I had all the answers to this behavior problem, I'd be a millionaire because it's it's one that I hear a lot, and unfortunately, it isn't so cut and dry. There isn't a very obvious cause all the time, and there isn't always an obvious cure. Absolutely, and and you meet people from you know all walks of life that own parrots that that do have this issue. Um, so it, it's not necessarily it could you know situational. It really depends. You really need to talk to the person. So when you're looking at your situation, if you do have a a, a bird that um, picks its feathers excessively, then you need to to consider 
you know, all the suggestions that we've given you or that we will give you and, and consider why this might be happening in your particular situation. And one of those reasons why is medical causes. And in fact, a lot of times the first thing someone will tell you to do if you have a parrot that's chewing on its feathers or pulling them out or God knows what to them is they'll, they'll recommend that you go see your avian veterinarian. And oftentimes there are some things that can be narrowed down that are causes for feather destructive behavior. And sometimes it's a combination of those things. And uh, there's a great article out by Tammy Jenkins, who's a veterinarian, who really breaks down all the different types of categories that uh, might be medical causes for feather destructive behavior. Definitely infectious disease is on that list there. Things like beak and feather disease and PDD and even Asper can create a feather destructive response. We know allergies. Um, some birds are allergic to different aromas, like when we have those uh, scented candles and things like that. Even ingredients in the diet can create an allergic response, so we have to be really careful about that. And, and some of those things, like the aromatics and the ingredients, it, it's really difficult to narrow them down to one specific thing. So you have to have patience when you're, you're working with your avian vet trying to diagnose what might be the cause of this. Yeah, sometimes they'll even have you do a, a strategy where you eliminate one item at a time, or, or actually, usually it's kind of the other way around. They take out everything. <laughs> they sort of add in one thing at a time and see if they get a response that might be creating this allergic response. Um, also, things like reproductive behavior can create some feather picking. Things like, um, you know, birds that are kind of in that egg-laying mode and get a little broody, they'll pick the feathers at their chest or maybe at their legs, so you can watch out for that. And there are ways that veterinarians have to treat that kind of response. Sometimes uh, different hormone treatments can help reduce those sorts of responses. Certainly toxins. Um, there seems to be some evidence that zinc toxicity can lead to feather destructive behavior. And of course, parasites. Giardia is one that I hear about a lot mm -hmm. that creates that feather destructive behavior. Right. And also, um, and that's an internal parasite. And then there's um, feather lice, which is an external parasite. And usually you can see those. In my experience, I've seen those mostly in birds that are really compromised, you know, that have already maybe not living in the best conditions. Okay. So it has to be pretty extreme to... Well, that's that what point. I've seen. Of course, I'm not a veterinarian, so the information we're giving you today is based on some of the things that we've learned, but for sure, you know, talk to your veterinarian a little bit more if you need some more information on some of the medical situations. Hypothyroidism is another cause. A skin infection can happen, too, that can create a feather-picking response. And dietary deficiencies, they say that uh, um, they'll see oftentimes in birds that show feather-destructive behavior, there'll be evidence of a calcium deficiency that might be associated with a lack of exposure to UV light. So mm -hmm. a lot of vets will recommend getting your bird outside, you know, safely in a right. nice safe enclosure outside, get a little bit of UV light, make sure they have access to shelter if they need to from the elements. Um, also that fresh air is really good for their respiratory system too. And of course, um, there could be things like a systemic disease and that's less likely a primary cause, but those are some of the medical situations that definitely can trigger feather destructive behavior. And I know you've probably seen this too. I've often seen um, a bird that might get a wing trim that wasn't maybe quite right or maybe it was their first time and it leaves like a little shaft of the feather that's really irritating. Right, and, and it, you kind of have to think of that as like a hangnail. You know, honestly, <laughs> Can't leave it alone. You know, it's just there and it's nagging at you or, you know, and it, it may not be excessive, but it may be the start of something. And so you need to watch out for that kind of situation. Yeah. So a lot of times you'll see people that make the decision not to clip flight feathers just for that reason. And especially it seems more prevalent in African grays. I don't know if there's actual data collected on that at this point, but there seems to be a trend in that direction that once they've 
get that little shaft sticking out there. They just can't leave it alone. Is that obsessive? A little, o- a little OCD going on there, yeah. maybe. I don't know. Of course, beyond the, the medical reasons, for sure we've seen some behavioral causes. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes it might be a combination of those two. For me, the number one and number two behavioral causes of feather destructive behavior are, are a lack of enrichment. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think, you know, that, that leads to a lot of problems. You know, a lot of times we see things where, you know, that, that self-destructive behavior or, you know, a situation where a, a bird is displaying behaviors that you've never seen before, or you can't understand why. Um, it may be, you know, I hate to use the term boredom, but that may be it. It may be, oh, you know, I'll just pick at this instead. Yeah, something to do. And, right. and also that, you know, that preening behavior is uh, pretty hardwired for for birds. You oh, know? absolutely. I mean, in the wild, you you can often see birds preening each other. You know, and that's that does bring up a point for me is that if you've got birds that are housed together, um, before you you know go accusing one of plucking himself or over preening himself, it may be the other bird that's in there with him. Yeah, um, you, you know, especially you see those those ones that um, their head feathers are plucked. Yeah. You got to know that usually it's not the same bird doing it to himself. It's somebody else yeah. doing it to him. We know they're talented and they're acrobatic, <laughs> but you know, that that's just kind of difficult to do. It, it's not that it's not possible. I mean, there are some birds that will rub up against um, the bars mm-hmm. of the cage and, and that can cause that same, you know, loss of feathers there. But Usually it's less common, but I've right. seen it too. There's actually, I saw a cockatoo at a, a sanctuary that he actually takes his own foot and reaches up to his head and pulls out the feathers on, on his head, in addition to all the ones on his body too. So hmm. he really has a strong motivation to, okay. to take out those feathers. So it, it happens, although it's less, and he, he's housed alone, so we definitely know it's, it's just him doing it okay. to himself. You know, another problem with feather destructive behavior is that Sometimes when they they pull out those feathers, they damage the feather follicle. And so they may have stopped the picking behavior, but the feathers just don't grow back in anymore. Right, right. So. And I think it's in- interesting that you say that. I was speaking with a veterinarian in Connecticut um, a few weeks ago, and we, she happens to have a bird that is, is quite plucked. It, it, it's um, very bare. And she said it usually elicits the, oh, that poor bird response from people. And as I watched her with this bird, the bird was wonderfully active and, you know, was exhibiting very normal, you know, you can't see the quote unquote that I'm doing with my hands, but very normal behaviors. Um, and, and it wasn't, you know, compromised in its quality of life. And I think another example that we saw was when we were in Holland. Um, there was a bird that was from a, a rescue, and it was completely plucked. Oh, it looked yeah. Looked like a little chicken. The and, little African gray. In, in, but had wonderful response to training. Absolutely. That bird was like the superstar of, right. that, of that seminar, and he was so cute. And the person who had him was actually just fostering him, right. and uh, I think she was leaning towards keeping him. <laughs> well, yeah, after his training session, who wouldn't? But, but again, so, you know, sometimes... You know, it it does elicit that immediate, oh, that poor bird, you know, but you need mm. to think about, okay, what are the causes, you know, can I fix it? Is it permanent damage, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and take all those factors into consideration. Yeah, so even though they may not look fantastic, they still may be a great companion, and they still may be living a very rich life. So one thing to keep in mind there. Now, I, I did mention lack of enrichment as one um, behavioral cause, but the other one is the stress coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. 
So sometimes parrots do some behavioral things that seem a little odd to us. I, I always think about the African gray that kind of chews on their toe when mm-hmm. they're feeling uncomfortable. I mean, that really seems to be often paired with this discomfort kind of thing or nervousness, for lack of a better word. Um, I've definitely seen uh, a cockatoo in particular comes to mind that really picked as a stress coping mechanism. It, you know, they say with a uh, with mammals that pull out their hair, that mm-hmm. there's an endorphin release that could be reinforcing to the animal. And I don't know if any research has been done specifically on parrots yet on that, but there certainly seems like there could be a correlation. Well, that was one of the things this this uh, veterinarian that I spoke with brought up was that, you know, a lot of times parrots are motivated, and mo- and most of us are motivated by what's in it for me. And, you know, that she strongly feels that there is that endorphin rush, that they're, you know, pulling the feathers out. You know, it's not... I've been bad and I want to hurt myself. I mean, you can't attribute those kind of emotions to a, to the birds. It's There's got to be something. There's got to be a payoff for them. Yeah. Well, you know, and sometimes people talk about pain being sort of reinforcing. So, right. you know, maybe that little bit of pain that, that is involved with pulling out a feather feels good. You know, and another thing um, with that, this is one that kind of probably falls more in the medical behavior category or medical cause. Um, I remember seeing an Amazon that would pull out all its feathers just as they were piercing through the skin, you know, just as that little pin feather was coming through, it would pull them all out and then it wouldn't pick at all for two weeks. But what happens is when you pull out a feather on a parrot, it stimulates the, the growth of the next feather and it takes about two weeks for that new feather to emerge and that's when that bird would start picking again and the cycle would just repeat and repeat and repeat. So it definitely had a physical component to it that triggered that response and then apparently getting that feather out, mm-hmm. you know, was was reinforcing because it was, you know, it's done, the pain's gone or whatever was irritating him and then it just keeps going. So it was really challenging behavior and they were working very closely with their vet and I was called in as, you know, someone to help him with the behavioral end of it and it was challenging, definitely challenging. Well, one of the things I want to say, we need to go to break in a moment, but one of the things I wanted to say was that a lot of times um, feather-plucked birds end up in sanctuaries and rescues. And I think, you know, as we talked about a few moments ago, the, the quality of life and the potential for those birds is not diminished in any way because they're not pretty anymore, because mm-hmm. they don't have that, that visual appeal. Um, so it's just, it's something to think about and hopefully we can give you some, some tips on how to handle this behavior and how to, to work with it and either lessen it or extinguish it or just find ways to, to deal with it. And so it doesn't have to end up in a situation where this bird's no longer appropriate and, and can't be housed in your home. Right. Absolutely. And we're going to focus more on the behavioral component and uh, we'll leave the medical component up to the veterinary professionals. So certainly seek that advice from them. And we'll be back right after these messages. Stay perched. Wings and Things will be soaring back right after these messages. Put on a perfectly possum pet party. Having an awesome birthday or adoption day celebration for your four-legged friend? Or just want a fun excuse to throw a fun party with your friends from the dog park? Deck out your party with Molly and Bandit Pet Party Accessories, party products designed specifically for pets. There are wearables, including adjustable pet party hats, bow ties, and tutus. The photo prop kits include funny glasses and hats. 
The party supplies and decorations include coordinating table covers, party banners, cake decorations, and treat bowls, cups, and bags. Everything you need to create great memories and Instagram-worthy photos. They're available in two colorful themes, Tropical and Fireman. It's a dog's life. Celebrate it with Molly and Bandit Pet Party at mollyandbanditpetparty.com slash petlife. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. A Frenchman walks into a bar with a parrot on his shoulder. The bartender asks, where did you get that thing? The parrot replies, in France. There are millions of them. Don't have a canary. Wings and Things is back. Welcome back to Wings and Things with your hosts, Barbara Heidenreich and Robin Shawokas on Pet Life Radio. One of the things that Barbara brought up was lack of enrichment, and it goes to that when we were talking about food enrichment and things like that, that these animals spend the majority of their day in with activity in the wild. You know, they're hardwired for that behavior. They're not just kind of hanging out in the trees all day or, you know, sitting on their nest. They're, they're really active. And so we need to compensate for that lack of activity. You know, if we're not the food's being put out the you know they don't we don't make them build a nest we we don't ask a lot of our parrots and so enrichment is is a way to give them something to do a way to fill in that time we could one of the terms that's used is activity budget if you look at an activity budget for a parrot in the wild i'm sure you'll find that the majority of it is spent being very active you know in flight whether it be in flight or foraging um, you know, or or seeking out, you know, as far as foraging is concerned, seeking out new new sites for um, for fruit and things like that, and it's not spent sedentary. So we need to create this enrichment. We need to offer this enrichment in order to keep them busy. You know, you've got that downtime. Well, okay, I'll pluck at these feathers. So there are some types of enrichment um, that that are really appropriate for feather pickers. Foraging is a great one. You know, when you think about going through something, it's that activity of, of moving through, you know, whether it be a paper bag or, you know, something to get to the food. It's the, it's still destructive, you know, and we, it's a replacement behavior. When you've got ground foragers going through the blades of grass, it's very similar to a preening behavior. Um, you can also give them things that do simulate that preening. Um, I know we at the Leather Elves, we have several devices that... Um, we created with feather plucking in mind. Um, you know, it's it's a uh, very light textured leather that simulate can help the bird to simulate that preening activity, so they're not over preening themselves. Another thing is that you may need to give that bird much more enrichment than you'd give a bird that's not plucking. Yeah, I think people underestimate that sometimes. They think, oh, I put a new toy in once a week. Right, that's good enough, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, <laughs> I I only like to deal with one new thing a week. You know, or and it doesn't always have to be brand new either. Yeah. It can be, you know, something that you've used before, something that, that's worked before, but rotate them, you know. Put something in, take it out. You know, it's it in the zoo business they call it cage furniture. Things become cage furniture if they sit in an enclosure for too long. And the same thing applies to companion parrots, you know. It's not it, it's it just becomes, oh, there it is, I have to go around it to get to my food bowl. Yeah, and, and I like sometimes people think 
it's better to have mass quantities, but I kind of think sometimes it's better to have more novelty, more rotation than it is to have massive quantities that sit there all the time. Right. So like you've, you sometimes see those parrots that are in cages that they can't even move anymore because there's so much enrichment in it, which, you know, the intentions are good, but maybe it's not accomplishing the goals that you really are trying to accomplish. That is one of the, the hard things to see when you see that cage and you know that the person's really making that effort. Okay, I, I need to give my parrot enrichment. I want to offer this to them. I want to give them as much as I possibly can. I've bought this big cage for them and then now it's full of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, and is it stuff that's being used? If something's not, you know, it's it's like how you're supposed to clean out your closet. You know, mm-hmm. if I haven't worn this in, is it six months? If I haven't worn this in a certain amount of time, I'm getting rid of it. If I haven't used this in a certain amount of time, I should get rid of it. And the same thing applies to your parrot, you know. Take it out of the cage. Rotate things through. And Well, how often do you think? I, I mean, I sometimes think people with a bird that really has a problem, I mean, it might be several new things in a day. Absolutely. You know, it could be, you know, when if, you, if you're working outside the home, you know, put something in, in the, several things in in the morning, and then when you come home, change them out. Even if they're not completely done with whatever it is, a, a toy doesn't have to be completely destroyed before you take it out, especially if it's, you know, one of the wooden chew toys or something like that. You don't want to just say, oh, well, I'm waiting. You know, he's not done with that yet. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, give him something different to do. Um, make it make it a little bit interesting. Well, especially if he's sitting there and he's not interacting with it anymore. Right. It means he's kind of had his fill of that one today. And if he's just sitting there not doing much of anything, you know, maybe it's that afternoon nap time. But if he's, or if he, you see that he's getting ready to feather pick, not that you want to reinforce in that moment by giving him a toy, but you may want to look for that moment when he's, He's doing something else right. or maybe redirect his attention onto acceptable behavior and then offer the new toy and get mm-hmm. him thinking about that instead. Absolutely. If you can get the attention away and and as Barbara said, don't reinforce the feather plucking behavior. Don't, you know, as soon as, you know, a feather comes out, you put something in there. That's saying, woohoo, look at that. I pull out a feather. She gives me a toy. It's a beautiful thing. You don't mm-hmm. want to reinforce that, but you do want to offer them new things. And another thing to, to think about is how much bang for your buck are you getting? You know, is your, this enrichment opportunity that you're presenting, is it going to last a while? Is it, you know, is it going to be something they interact with for three seconds and then it's done? You know, there are certain things, there are certain foraging opportunities that we do offer that aren't that difficult, you know, and you, they go through them fairly quickly. And so you want to try to, if you've got this situation where your bird is feather destructive, you want to try to offer things that will prolong that activity. Get the most out of it that you can. I like um, how a lot of people are putting their old phone books to use mm-hmm. by... Uh putting those through the cage bars and letting They're the birds great. work on those. You can put them on the top of the cage and dra- you know drape the pages down through, and they're wonderful. You know, Another thing, I have a lot of people that come to me and ask for just strips of leather, and I said, well, you know, do you want knots in it? Do you want it made into a toy? No, no. And they just hang a bunch of leather in strips. And then that, again, is something I've had numerous people tell me that their grays like to take and run down the strips of leather which is very similar to a preening behavior. Like right with their beak. With their beak, yeah. yeah. That was yeah. a visual that I was doing with my hand that <laughs> they couldn't see. Can't see that on the radio. We've talked about baths before and misting, but that's so important because you mentioned some of the medical conditions that, that might be occurring. And so by offering you know, a bath or a misting, um, you can mist them. There, there are some systems that they're an on-demand mister. Um, it takes a little bit of of work to create, um, but you can do motion 
sensitive um, misters and it wouldn't work in a cage setting but maybe on a play stand you could do something like that where the bird has the choice to activate the mister or not. Um, we've done that in the zoo setting for, for bigger animals, but I feel like it really has applications with birds as well. Yeah, and, a, and that bathing really stimulates some good preening behavior afterwards. A lot of times birds spend, um, after they start to dry off a little bit, they'll start preening those feathers and mm-hmm. putting them back in, into the proper positions and zipping up those zippers on the feathers. Right, and you don't want to completely discourage that. You know, if, if you've got a bird that is, you know, plucking out feathers in an area, you don't want to discourage them from, from preening altogether. Right. You know, you got to have that normal preening to take care of those feathers for right. sure. As far as the misting is concerned, if, if anybody has any interest, you can contact me at the email address that we give you at the end of the program, um, and we I can give you some directions on how to to build something like that for your your parrot at home. That sounds like fun, especially I I'm I'm working on an outdoor aviary, and that might be a fun thing to have out there, so that when the bird chooses, the bird right. can make the bath happens. And I, I think that goes to to so much of what we talk about on all these different topics is the, the animal having the choice, the bird having the choice whether they're going to interact or not. Um, you need to talk about that. I, I know it's a little off the topic of parrots, but there's a, a primate exhibit that can't they control that for the guests? Where, where they have control over it's um, they can activate a shower on the guest side of things um, so that they have that control and then they get a reaction. The primates have learned that by activating the shower on the guest side of the glass the guests get wet react and then the primates see that reaction. How fun is that? It's very fun. <laughs> Unless you're the guest, I think. I, you know, it, it depends what level of primate you are. Yeah, so. I guess if it's a winter time in Massachusetts, it's not fun, but no, summer in Texas a would time. be a, a nice time to get a, a surprise bath from a primate. There you go. <laughs> so there's also uh, deficiencies in diet that can create the, the feather destructive behavior, so you might mess with that a bit too. Yeah, and I, and I think trying different things, and, and you know, it comes down to doing some research, looking, you know, at different resources online, and trying to find out, okay, what might I be giving, what might I need to give that could fix this. Yeah, you know? and of course, access to sunlight. We talked a little bit already about um, about that, and and that outdoor time in general. I just think is. Uh, it's just so beneficial for parrots if you can make oh, it happen in a safe way. You know, you have to be careful about too much sunlight and that they can get away from the heat and the cold if, if you're going to have them out there. And, of course, making sure they're safe from predators and things like that. And and we're not talking about just taking them out on your shoulder at this point either. We're talking about, you know, either in a cage or, you know, uh, uh, again, safety is always so key. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, we'll definitely, we're going to talk a bit more about you know things like flighted birds and non-flighted right. birds and being outdoors in another episode so we'll we'll keep that one on the back burner but definitely you always want to do your safety precautions mm-hmm. before uh before you do just about anything with your bird so we're going to jump into uh how do you address the the stress coping component of feather destructive behavior and um in my opinion this is where positive reinforcement training can really help and that's because when we train with positive reinforcement we're really giving animals choices and it, it empowers them, you know, mm-hmm. it gives them the opportunity to decide if they want to participate or not instead of this, like, everything's coming at me and I have no choice in the matter. And so it gives them a lot of confidence. Uh, oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, by putting animals in captivity in the first place, we do limit so many of the choices that they have, you know, so many of the choices that they need to make in the wild. And, and we do need to give that back to them. And if we can give it back to them through you know, training, offering them, okay, yes, you do have a choice, and through enrichment, you know, you can participate or not. 
that really allows them some of that control and some of those choices. Yeah, I worked with uh, this cockatoo that was just so afraid of everything in her environment, and she had a, a very difficult feather destructive behavior problem. And and um, what we really talked about was focusing on teaching that bird that interacting with different things would would result in positive reinforcement. We were very careful not to force things on her, but say if we had, I don't know, say if she was uncomfortable with the a brush or the remote control or a water bottle on the table, we would put that item far enough away that it wasn't creating a fear response and then positively reinforce her for, for good, calm behavior and then work on either moving the item closer to her and have and reinforcing her for remaining calm or allowing her to approach the object and reinforcing her for approaching it. So that helped her build a little confidence about all these things that were creating this fear response that would lead towards this sort of, oh, I'm nervous, I'm going to feather pick and maybe that'll kind of help me cope with this situation. You know, we kind of compare it to biting your nails or uh-huh. something or twirling your hair when you're a little bit uncomfortable that that maybe it's a a way to just kind of power through that oh I'm not comfortable so rather rather than going there we we get, build her confidence by this training with positive reinforcement so some other strategies you can use uh as far as training goes to address this problem is really start paying attention to your bird's body language there might be some little tiny uh indicators little signals that let you know your bird is just about to start feather picking you know like I think of like when your birds get ready to leave a little present, you know, um, eliminate, it, eliminate a little bit, you usually see some really obvious body language and you know it's coming, right? And that's when you pick your bird up and you try and get him back to his cage before he poops on your shoulder or something. But so there might be that situation with your feather picking parrot and you might need to just start looking for certain things. Does he kind of twitch his head a little bit? Does he start you know, looking towards a certain part of his body and, and um, maybe scratch a little bit? Whatever you think might be a signal that he's getting ready to feather pick and before he does feather pick try to redirect his attention you know you know you might call his name or maybe um if he knows how to target you might present the target and get him to redirect towards that and then you can reinforce him for that you can reinforce him for doing something else instead of feather picking and it gets his mind off of that at that uh, moment and robin did mention earlier you also want to be careful not to reinforce the picking so that's why we have that redirection in there you don't want to just go oh my gosh he's feather picking and run over there and go oh baby stop 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 and you know love all over him because that might teach him that whenever he goes down to chew on his feathers Oh, look, I get attention that right. I really like. So you have to be careful about that. And that one's tough. I mean, that's a you-have-to-stop-yourself kind of situation. Yeah, it is challenging. And I think, uh, you know, as you mentioned before, really one of the big components of it is keeping your birds so busy that they really have little time for picking. Right, right. And it's not, you know, just busy when you're watching them. It's busy, you know, through the day. Yeah. Um, you know, they need to have opportunities and, and, and choices of different things that they can interact with um, in their cage and things that you don't need to be necessarily a part of. Right, right. Well, it's definitely a difficult problem, and there's not always one cause and or one cure for that matter, but hopefully we've given you a nice overview right. of some uh, suggestions that can help you with your situation and maybe some of those possible causes. And, and you can put them together. You know, it's like the, the Chinese food menu, you know, one from column A, one from column B, and it might help 
um, to alleviate your particular situation. Absolutely. So we're going to tell you about some upcoming events. July 19th, the Long Island Parrot Society is presenting the South American Parrot Conference in Babylon, New York. They have a lot of great speakers coming. It's a small venue, and you can check out their website for more information. Sounds like if it's a small venue, you get an opportunity to really get up close and personal with the speakers. You do, but you need to get in there soon. Oh, it's limited. That's right. Well, on July 26th, there's going to be a parrot behavior and training workshop in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'll be out there to present that seminar. And then August 7th, I'll be in Austin, Texas to do an evening seminar on solving parrot behavior problems. And August 11th to the 14th is the Association of Avian Veterinarians Annual Conference, which is being held this year in Savannah, Georgia. Um, Barbara and I will both be there, and Barb's doing a wet lab and teaching a master class, and she will be having a vendor booth there as well. I'm presenting on Sunday um, as part of the Avian Behavior and Enrichment Program. You can get more information on that conference at aav.org. On September 14th, the Connecticut Parrot Society is hosting their second annual Feather Fest at the Crown Plaza Hotel in Cromwell, Connecticut from 10 to 5. Um, they have a variety of speakers coming, and there are vendors selling parrot-related merchandise. There's, I know there's also going to be someone there speaking about um, birds of prey, rehabilitated birds of prey. So it's kind of a little different, but interesting. Yeah, absolutely. There's lots of crossover in all this bird training stuff and animal training in general. So I always learn from those folks as well. Let's see, September 27th, I'll be in Las Vegas, and not not to gamble necessarily, but um, to teach a parrot behavior and training workshop. Um, maybe I'll get to gamble, too. That'll be my positive reinforcer, I think. It's always a gamble. Or maybe it's <laughs> going to be a, a punisher if I lose money. <laughs> I'll never return to Vegas again. No, I'm looking forward to it, and um, you can visit uh, lvbirdrescue.com for more information on that event. And then in October, uh, October 3rd through 5th, there'll be the Parrot Behavior and Learning Seminar for the Veterinary Professional, a very intensive uh, workshop that's hosted by the Gabriel Foundation. Visit thegabrielfoundation.org for that. And October 11th, Long Island Parrot Society is presenting their Parrot Expo 2008. Um, It's from 9 to 5 in Freeport, Long Island. They have great vendor rooms. I'll be speaking on Enriching Your Parrot's Lives. And let's see, November 8th and 9th, a really important one, a really fun one, the Parrot Training Enrichment Weekend in Austin, Texas. And that's a day and a half seminar, weekend seminar um, in the lovely Austin in November. And you can get more information on that. And you can also register at goodbirdinc.com. And finally, May 29th to the 31st, 2009, um, we're hosting the Best Parrot Conference in Edison, New Jersey. And we're not just tooting our own horn, calling it the best, because best stands for behavior, enrichment, science, and training. And you can get more information for that at bestparrotconference.com. There'll be registration and speaker bios and all kinds of information there for you. So check it out. And we also have some websites that we think will be helpful to you if you're looking for information on feather destructive behavior. There's a great Yahoo group that's hosted by Cheryl Rose. It's called Pickin' Parrots. And you can find it at um, the Yahoo Groups page. And you just you want to look up Pickin' Parrots, but leave out the G. So it's P-I-C-K-I-N Parrots. And then another one, we mentioned already Tammy Jenkins, her article on the basics of feather picking, and you can find that at the website featherpicking.com. And you can always check out goodbirdinc.com and theleatherelves.com for ideas and tips and um, different information. And then, as I mentioned, the 
bestparrotconference.com um, to talk about the, the seminar next May. Some other resources for you. Good Bird Magazine um, has back issues that have articles on feather picking, and you can find those at goodbirdinc.com backslash magazine. And if you click on back issues, you can also click on the table of contents for each one, and you'll see the different titles that are on feather picking out there. And as I mentioned earlier, we do uh, the Leather Elves do offer several enrichment devices for the Feather Destructive Parrot. They're called the Leather Preening Ring and the Preening Stick, and you can see all Leather Elves products at um, theleatherelves.com. For our enrichment tip of the week, if you have the time, create a schedule for yourself as to what you're offering for enrichment opportunities. And that way you can avoid repeating you know, one or two devices and really keep things interesting for your, for your parrots. And for the training tip of the week, I would like to recommend avoid creating a high level of arousal or excitement with your parrot by talking really loud or making animated actions when you're trying to have a training session. Now, I did give an example before of how you can use that to train a wave, but keep in mind that sometimes this can lead to the presentation of aggressive behavior. So you have to be careful about saving excitement as a reinforcer for hands-off behaviors or save it for playtime only, just in case, unless you know your bird really, really well and know that that isn't an indicator of uh, possible aggressive behavior. Okay, well, it looks like we're just about out of time. We'd like you to know that we're working on lining up some exciting guests for um, future broadcasts, and so tune in and see who's visiting. You can always contact us with more ideas for topics, or if you have some questions, you can uh, write us at robin at petliferadio.com or barbara at petliferadio.com. And if you'd like transcripts of this show, please visit www.petliferadio.com. All right. Well, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Join us every week on Wings and Things and get a bird's eye view of everything there is to know about pet birds and how to make your frequent flyer a happy camper. Wings and Things, only on PetLifeRadio.com.